Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had, which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at, I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. See, hi everybody. Hi. Let me see. I hope you guys are being able to see me. Here we go. Hi, everybody. This is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing? I hope uh, you guys are being able to hear me and see me okay. I know that's always tricky. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. I think you guys are seeing me okay. Well, anyway, uh, what I did want to let you guys know is that I decided to um, get together and do a show based on a lot of requests that I've had uh, about um, uh, attachments, possessions, but um, because I am a trained hypnotherapist and I've done it, I don't do it lately because I'm just too busy with a show, but uh, there's one aspect of it that a lot of people have asked me about, and that has to do with something called the ET agenda, or believe it or not, something having to do with... Um, attachments that, uh, you know, most people think of attachments, possessions of have as something having to do with uh, a ghost, a human spirit, or something like that. But in some cases, uh, people, some hypnotherapists that have worked in this field have found that some of these attachments are of extraterrestrial origin. But before I go any further, um, I wanted to go ahead and uh, go back real quick and explain what is a spiritual attachment. Okay, now an attachment, some people call it spirit attachment, entity attachment, 
or possession, very dramatic, is the invasion of your body and your aura by a discarnate being or entity. Um, and it usually might manifest as a behavior, uh, a mental or emotional state, you know, your behavior alters. Um, you might even see it as a change in your physical condition, all right, that is not responsive to any other form of intervention. Now, a soul that is heavy with negative emotions and undesirable habits such as rage, cruelty, greed, um, sometimes when a person dies with this type of emotion as a habit, uh, it has a hard time being attracted to the light. Now, just so that you can get an idea now, and I'm and I'm also I wanted to explain to you before I get a little bit further into it, because I'm going to refer to it something called dark force entities. Okay, uh, they are can be considered non-human entities. By this I mean when I'm talking the spirit or an attachment of a discarnate human being, something of human origins. Uh, they've never been alive in their own physical bodies. And they're usually on a mission to destroy. We're really not sure where they come from. Some people say that um, they're negative thought forms. Some of them say their origins are uh, satanic or Luciferian. Um, and um, some people have a theory that they might be fallen angels. Uh, we're not really sure where they come from, per se, what their origins are. Bottom line, though, one thing that uh, most people have come to understand about them is that they are negative. Okay. Now, um, second, before I go, I wanted to go ahead and set that up because before I get into it, so that we kind of have a reference point as to what I'm talking about when I say, you know, that an attachment is uh, an extraterrestrial, et cetera, um, I want you to 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 understand what it is that we're talking about. Now, um, for example, when you when you do hypnosis, this could be a hypnosis for anything. You can run across it, whether it's hypnosis, somebody comes to you to stop smoking. Sometimes things come out, but a lot of times it might even come out with a past life regression, uh, recover memories. Now. Once you come up, or some people come specifically for this because they realize that there's something going on with them that is just not right. At some point, they, like I said, they either have some type of uh, mental and or physical uh, symptoms that either doesn't come up with any testing, uh, or in other words, the doctor's kind of like guess at it, but they really can't give them a conclusive diagnosis or doesn't respond to medicine or they themselves, uh, let's face it, you're the person, your own skin realizes that just something that's not really part of me. Some people get to it eventually. It's the earlier in your life that you've had this attachment, the more difficult it is sometimes to have that discernment that this is not really part of you originally. Now, uh, one of the one of the experiences that a lot of hypnotists have had that work in this field is that when they come across 
some type of entity attachment and they start going through a series of questions. And by this, I don't, I'm, I'm fast forwarding, I'm giving you that condensed version. They find that who's responding to them is, I want to say NET uh, to stand for extraterrestrial. And some of them, for example, will say that they've never been human. In other words, that's one of your first indicators is that this entity is admits that they've never been human. Are we talking dark force? In some cases, what we're talking about is what they call an ET. Some ETs, I've never had that experience myself, but I, I've read different stories from, these are, by the way, doctors that have written up on these stories. These are, there's several books out there by psychi psychologists and psychiatrists who do find that this is their experience, which is that when they um, come across these ETs as attachments, that some of them claim that they have had incarnations on earth as a human in a human body. Okay. And, and I'm going on this slow on this so that you don't lose me because this can, um, up to a certain point, it can get kind of crazy uh, when you think about it as far as, wow, is, is this what's really going on? Uh, are we talking here in ET? Uh, now, excuse me, just a minute. Here. Wow. Wow. Is, is this what's really going on? Uh, are we talking here at ET? Now, yeah, because I'm, I'm basically, wow, I didn't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to go ahead and, uh, and give feedback. But anyway, guys, so let me get back to this. Uh, I, I apologize for that. All right. Now, um, a lot of times the ETs, their forms obviously are non-physical. Uh, like I said, and in some cases here, let's let's go down the bunny trail. These are the spirits of deceased ETs. Uh, in other words, you're going to have attachments of extraterrestrials who they are non-physical as a norm. In other words, they're not a deceased extraterrestrial. This is just the form that they've uh, acquired in order to go into your uh, aura or into your physical body somehow. But in some cases, some people have run across, some hypnotherapists have run across ETs who say they are the spirits. In other words, the same idea attaching themselves to a living human host. Uh, same thing, but this is a deceased ET. And when I use that word host, when I use it interchangeably, uh, because a lot of people, especially when it comes to the ET um, ET phenomena, they they look at it more as that they are a parasite. They're a parasite to a human host versus uh, where you see that people describe it as a possession, uh, that kind of thing, when you're talking a human spirit. So here we're talking about um, strictly, uh, I mean, I know there's like an extra layer now. Um, in some cases, there's some extraterrestrials that when questioned, um, they, uh, and 
I'm trying to explain this in a way so it doesn't sound so way out there, but it's way out there. Uh, when you go through this questioning of when you have somebody under hypnosis, uh, sometimes it takes a while because they kind of want to hide. They don't really want to be identified. Uh, but once they do, they kind of, they will admit sometimes to being lost or marooned here on earth. Um, some of them, in some cases, I've heard of some cases, again, I have not had this experience firsthand, uh, but again, I, I trust the sources, that's why I'm using it, uh, that they have no home planet to return to because of widespread destruction. Now, you have other uh, ETs that use human beings as hosts to gather information and almost like gathering scientific data from human beings. In some cases, they even identify themselves as being either scientists, techs, researchers, uh, and they either are gathering information within the human bodies, okay, either in that form or through implants while they operate, let's say, on their spacecraft at a distance. And this ties into... Uh, a lot of people who have, uh, you know, who claim a history of abduction or maybe once or maybe more than once where they say, hey, I, I've had something implanted in me. And in some cases, there's people that have actually found, they've gone to the doctors, they've actually been able to pull something out from their bodies to substantiate their claim. Like, not only am I just thinking that I've been abducted by extraterrestrials, I actually have found proof that there was something implanted inside of me. Uh, and in some cases, through hypnotherapy, uh, again, uh, they kind of like admit to using implants uh, as a way of monitoring human beings for whatever it is that they're seeking. And in some cases, which is also... Um, something that that you usually acquaint with uh spiritual attachments of deceased human beings that they sometimes they deliberately manipulate their human hosts to experience strong emotions or desires while monitoring the results now think about it talk about uh almost like what human beings do sometimes scientists do with certain animals let's say rats i'm going to use a rat um in a laboratory, in a lab setting, where they uh, have the lab, the, the rat experience certain fear, uh, certain experience just to test what is what happens with the body. Well, they kind of do the same thing with us as far as having the human being experience the, either whatever emotion it is, depending, I guess, on what they're trying to test for. But that really gives you food for thought, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but it does for me. Absolutely. Um, now, there's a positive side as well. And, and again, this comes back to the theory that we all have about, um, how can I say, that there's more than one type of extraterrestrial out there. Uh that some are benign, some are very, what's that? In other words, they don't, they, they look at us as guinea pigs, 
And then there's some others that really just observe and they don't interact with us. Okay, and the reason why I'm saying this is that in some cases they have claims that some of these extraterrestrials that do these attachments uh, say that they're here to assist human beings spiritually to evolve or to help us through predictable catastrophes and massive earth changes. Uh, they don't seem to be hostile or destructive. Uh, they're pretty cooperative about leaving the host after they've been told or explained to that basically that they're invading the human being in a way that they shouldn't be. Um, and some cases, they seem to be more spiritually advanced or more techno technologically advanced, uh, but at the same time, they're very self-serving. So, and the, and I guess my point is, I have a problem with thinking that uh, a civilization might be more, yeah, their technology might be more advanced, but as far as being spiritually more advanced than human beings, where they wouldn't have a problem, they want to help us. But at the same time, at some point, they're actually invading our aura to um, to, I guess, test us, to monitor us. I mean, that's, I mean, I guess they don't understand about privacy or body space or, again, and again, we're, um, we're looking at it from our points of view as human beings, maybe where they come from. This is normal if they think, especially if they're not hurting you and all they're doing is monitoring you. But it's still, it's creepy uh, if, you, if you think about it. But anyway, those at least when they're told, you know, you need to leave, you're, you're basically, you're violating uh, this human being because they're unaware and this is not, if you want to collect data, this is not the way to do it. They up and leave. Uh, now, again, the bigger problem comes in when you come across the ETs who are uh, basically self-serving and all they care about. They, in other words, they don't have any regard for the human beings that they're influencing. Uh, now, here, let's let's go down further into down the rabbit hole. In some cases, uh, they've come across where some of these ETs are influenced, controlled, or possessed by what we call dark force entities. And I explained to you earlier what's considered a dark force entity. Um, and the way you, it's almost, and, and, and I'm going to explain it, even though I did this uh, show about a year ago, I'm going to go over it again real quick, where it's almost like you have a piggyback uh, scenario, where basically this ET that's in the aura when the physical body has a dark force entity piggyback on it. Okay, so it's, in other words, you get two for the price of one. Isn't that great? Anyway, uh, the way you would do that it, to treat it is you would first need to get rid of the dark force entity, release that, and then the extraterrestrial. In other words, you can't, you have to do it like in a layered uh, and this, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not easy um, because it's almost like 
the extraterrestrials that are being controlled or influenced by a dark force entity, they be they to begin with uh, have their own purposes in mind. In other words, they they have a, a more of a let's conquer humanity mentality, and it's almost like uh, almost like that theory of like attracts like. Well, it's the same thing of like attracts like. Even when we're talking this type of scenario where we're talking a dark force entity, non-human, destructive, hates humanity, uh, attracting to uh, an extraterrestrial life form that shares that um, precept uh, that, that, that neither one. So it's, an, it's easier to influence uh, this extraterrestrial, let's say, versus an extraterrestrial that's either benign or at least has a hands-off approach about studying humans or the earth or whatever it is that they're at. So uh, again, this is, uh, it, 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 there's a lot of different ways that this could work out. Um, let's see. Um, and in some, uh, some in in some uh, cases, you even have to if you even find, let's say, an extraterrestrial that are resistant. You almost have to say, you know, like you know, when you go to the store and you get the employee that doesn't want to cooperate, and you say, "I want to speak to your manager." Uh, you almost have to do something very similar to this, where you say, "I need to speak to your commander or the equivalent of your commander," and you can do that. And again, I'm. I'm doing a very fast version of this uh, as far as what's involved with it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you you do have to do that at some point sometimes. That's very rare though. Uh, but yeah, sometimes the conversation does go in that direction uh, as far as... Uh, and um, Believe it or not, there some of their missions when they do this attachment, because you know we always think of like a, an attachment or possession by an evil spirit or deceased human being or whatever it is. It's corruption, um, things that sometimes are expressed through mental illness, doing bad things. Uh, we could I'll go into that later, but in some cases when we're talking here, uh, an attachment by a parasitic extraterrestrial to a human host. Um, part of it has to do sometimes with uh, alien-human hybrids, uh, interbreeding program. Uh, how do we say X-Files? <laughs> yes, X-Files. Um, let me see. Let me get this a little bit over here. There we go. Uh yeah, I know that sounds like really way out there, but yeah. Uh, also, um, and in other words, what is their mission in attaching to human beings? Okay. Uh, another, it, and it makes you. When you get into the, because at um, how can I say, at some point once you have that person under hypnotic trance, and one of the things I wanted to clarify because I've encountered this a million times as a hypnotherapist, a lot of people think 
that when they're under hypnosis, they kind of like lose control, forget, go to sleep. You don't. You are totally aware of what's going on. But basically, all the filters and things that you usually put up are kind of go back down. So when the hypnotherapist is having a conversation, let's say in this case, let's let's use the example of a parasitic ET. That person is there listening to, you know, talking, but they're aware of, in other words, they recognize, in other words, they're allowing their vocal cords to be used, but they're remembering, you you remember everything, you're aware of everything. It's not like some, all of a sudden you wake up and it was like, oh, what did I do? What did I say? And a lot of people have that misconception. And when I was a hypnotherapist, even though I had a very small office, I would always make, leave uh, an extra chair in the office because I would inevitably have people drag anybody they could get their hands on because they were afraid to be alone, even though I had another hypnotist in there with me as well. Uh, I even had one time I had a gentleman who, as a matter of fact, he was coming for regression because he believed he had an attachment. And... Um, he was on uh, crutches, and I see the I see the taxi driver. He comes in a taxi. Taxi driver pulls up, helps him get down, and walks him to the door. I'm thinking, man, this is a really attentive taxi driver. But all of a sudden, I see this taxi driver standing there, and I look at the client, and I'm like, uh, no, he tells me he was paying. He was paying the taxi driver to stay, not only stay, but stay and sit in there with him. And I said, are you sure? Okay, because confidentiality, I'm willing, but not if you, I mean, your confidentiality, he, he this guy, my office, he's going to overhear everything. And he goes, that's fine. In other words, he didn't want the guy waiting outside. He wanted him in there with me and him. And I was like, okay, just to give you an idea the misconceptions that a lot of people have about hypnosis. So when you undergo hypnosis and you have this type of conversation, whether it's with a spiritual attachment or parasitic extraterrestrial, the person, the, the you that's there, you're aware of what's going on. And sometimes you're like, there's a lot of people have told me, I, I knew it. I felt it. I recognize it. And now I understand why I felt certain things or it, it, it just like, I get it now. I get it. I, I, I knew it all along. All right. And some of them sometimes are a little bit surprised also when it turns out that the attachment they have doesn't turn out to be a human spirit. It turns out to be an extraterrestrial. It's not that common, but it does happen. And uh, in some cases, you have to have somebody come back because um, in some cases, especially the extraterrestrials, they want to hide. They, they don't want to come forward. As a matter of fact, if that person, which sometimes does happen, does have spirit attachment, they kind of like push it forward, like, yeah, get rid of the spirits. And then they just, they kind of like hold back so that the person and the hypnotist think, okay, we're done. You know, we, we, we worked on this and they're there all along. So again, I'm, I'm doing the fast track of a more complicated subject than, than what it is. But anyway, I had a lot of people uh, ask me to go back and go over uh, what's involved with spiritual attachments. And um, so I'm going to do it. Now, 
you know, I explained, in other words, the extraterrestrials, that's one version of it. Now, there's a another type of spiritual attachment of something that's called wanderers. And before I go any further, um, the reason why I put this, because as a matter of fact, I've had a lot of people that, that are into UFO, ufology, extraterrestrials, uh, and I've spoken to quite a few of them that even though the, their field of interest is not anything having to do with hypnosis or spirit, they kind of like agree on this, believe it or not, because sometimes they feel that ETs may or may not be the way we think of something as a carbon base like we are. Now that's yeah. That even let's say it's uh, shaped weird. It's got three arms and one leg and big eye. Oh, you know, we always think of it, but that it would be something that we could see or touch, and that would not not be the way they they come through, or that they have the ability to transfer or make themselves into something else that can invade our aura and our body. And again, that's, but let me get going. Now, <clears throat> moving on, and, and that they have an agenda? Yes, they do have an agenda. What exactly is the agenda? We don't know. It also depends on, based on everything, is what type of ET it is and what their mission is. If they're just trying to study, it's invasive, but a lot of times they don't mean to be destructive or to hurt their host. You do have others, though, that that's exactly what they want. Or that uh, if in the process of gathering information, whatever it is that they're trying to get from the human that they're on, uh, they don't care. They don't care if they mess up your mind or your psyche or your body, depending on what they're doing. And by this, I mean where people will sometimes experience certain urges or thoughts or and they're thinking, man, am I going crazy? What is up? Or people around them. And by this, I don't mean, again, and I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Believe me, the most common um, explanation for stuff like that is mental illness or behavior disorder, something going on, sometimes even physically. Okay. Uh, in other words, I don't want to, when people start having these type of occurrences, you can't go off and say, oh, I've got an attachment or ETs possess me. It's usually the last thing on the list of possibilities that it could be. All right. That it's possible? Yes. But in other words, you'd never overlook going to seek advice from either your regular physician, depending on what it is, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, if you need therapy, that kind of thing. Usually what I get this from, and again, and I said it before, the one thing doesn't exclude another. You could have somebody that does have some type of mental illness or behavior disorder who does have some type of spiritual influence. It just amplifies the bad symptoms. And then you'll have some people that are really, they have none. And that's the ones that are really thinking, I'm losing my head. What is going on with me? Or I've developed these symptoms, which I never had. I never had an injury to account for something like this. So why am I feeling like this? Or people's behavior starts to change. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be um, bad behavior or erratic behavior. 
but the personality changes. In some cases, you'll have somebody that's young, 20s, 30s, and then all of a sudden, they start acting like an old person. You know, certain habits and behaviors that, first of all, doesn't belong to them. And number two, usually you think of, well, this is the kind of stuff like an old person would do. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. As far as the behavior changes, doesn't have to be either really dramatic or doesn't have to necessarily be bad. Even though at the end of it all, having any type of spiritual attachment uh, of any type is not good for the human being, the, the original. You know, you should be without any type of influence of any type from what any source. But anyway. Now, one of the types that they have is called the wanderers. Okay, now these are spirits that they didn't have a clear idea or what occurred to them. In other words, they don't understand as what happens to your consciousness after the body dies. So they're kind of lost or bewildered when they realize I still have self-awareness. In other words, I still feel alive even though my body is dead, but they can't get back in it. It's just inanimate. It could be through trauma. Uh, something's happened to the body that it just is not going to work anymore. So what they do is they kind of remain in the vicinity of this plane. You know, we, we can call it the earth plane, but basically it's this plane where people with, with living human bodies are supposed to be at. Okay, because they just, they, 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 they like and this is by the way where you see uh where you talk you hear about funeral homes and mortuaries uh being haunted and sometimes it's only temporarily because sometimes you will have these spirits uh follow their bodies around and of course eventually and not all the time but in some cases they're taking sometimes to the medical examiner sometimes to uh a mortuary a funeral home so that's why uh in these locations are hotspots for hauntings. And by this, they don't stay there. Is they're following their body. They're like, but that, that yeah, that you get a lot of back and forth, yeah. Usually tied into whoever it is that's there. So let's say they, so they, they, they stay on the airplane and uh, basically they're really frustrated because uh, nobody sees them, nobody hears them. Uh, I mean, at least not any living people Ah, uh, and this is again they're they're very frustrated. So they start at some point they start to wander around aimlessly, and this is why we call them wanderers. Uh, some of them decide to stay close to where they were buried. Sometimes they go to a specific location and they become what we know of as ghosts. Sometimes that specific location could be their how their home. It could be where they worked. It could be the place that something traumatic happened to them or memorable. Everybody's different. Just as we are individuals, um, everybody's different. Your perception is your reality even at that point. In other words, even after you're dead, after you take that dirt nap. So not everybody necessarily goes back home. Some people go to just something, either the last place that they have a good memory of or sometimes even unfortunately, a bad memory of. Um, now, in some cases, and this is where we're talking here about an attachment, some of these wanderers 
or the dis, these discarnates. Uh, can you imagine you're walking around almost like I want to say in a grayness, nobody hears you, nobody sees you, then uh, they find a place that is either lighter or warmer than the darkness of the earthbound state. And they move into what turns out to be the body or the aura of a living person. And they can become attached without either the, the person, the living host, or they themselves becoming aware initially of where they ended up at. All right. Now, let me explain. Sometimes for them to do that, one of two things has got to happen. By invite, and you say, well, who would do that? And I'll explain to you how. You have some people, some family members that while they're grieving, they actually don't want that person to leave. And they kind of, this happens a lot with widows, widowers. Uh, basically, you, you're, you're in, in their grief, they, they open themselves up and they invite. And then this, this spirit sometimes comes into that person's aura. And eventually, we're the point where they can't get out. There's certain layers because they want to comfort that person. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes there's something about you, or let's say you as the person that gets, that reminds them of somebody they knew, or you might just be a nice person, or you might be a little bit sensitive, a little bit psychic. Now, usually, if your aura is intact, they might come around but they can't get in. Now, if you have a problem with substance abuse of any type, if you have unresolved trauma, emotional or physical, okay, sometimes, you know, in other words, this will thin out your, or in other words, it kind of leaves holes, makes it easier for them to get in. Uh, being unconscious will sometimes open you up. Uh, sometimes being under general anesthesia. And this can be really problematic if you're in a hospital. That's usually where you end up. Not all the time, but if you're unconscious or under general anesthesia. Yeah, there's a lot of discarnates walking around aimlessly in hospitals. Yes, there are. Uh, so anyway, so let's say, uh, let's go to the next one. The next ones are called invaders. Now, these are the ones that have had a close relationship with a living host, either because of love, friendship, or hatred and revenge. Yes, hatred and revenge, those, those are very powerful emotions that will absolutely uh, bind a soul or try to, you know, in other words, they, they don't, they might want to have the last word, especially in your, if you're talking about the hatred and revenge thing. Now, um, the types of entities that usually invade, the most common are deceased human beings the souls of the spirits or the souls, whatever you want to call it, deceased human beings. Now, there's something called thought forms. All right, now, thought forms can be created. Some people think of thought forms also, if you, I, I'm, if anybody's um, familiar with tulpas, okay, the tulpa, which is, uh, if you're familiar with it, it's a being that's created by intense, let me underline that word, intense thought to where basically it creates its own consciousness, its own identity, and it frees itself. In other words, you don't control it anymore. Um, now, the thought form can be created by one person. It can also be created by many people 
deliberately by a group of people. And usually what it takes is a lot of focus, power of thought. And yes, a thought form of this type can affect a living human being. Again, it's not that easy to do though, because most groups of people or even a person, uh, we lose our focus much too soon for it to basically manifest and take on a life of its own. But that it's that it that can happen, yes. Now, uh, also, you can have an animal soul. This is really rare, where you have an attachment of an animal soul. This is not having to do anything with guardians or totems. Not the same thing. Okay, this is, again, the invasion of your aura by uh, a soul or spirit of something that is not yours originally. And again, this is really rare. Now, the next type is something called an elemental. And uh, elementals, uh, believe it or not, they are, they're around, they're discarnate, but they've never been human. This is not something that comes of a human origin. They've never had physical bodies of their own. However, they have kind of a low intelligence and they're sometimes on the negative side. A lot of elementals, sometimes they equate them, some people, depending on your belief system, to let's say the water, fire, wind, earth. Even though uh, in some forms of animism, people will say there's elementals, let's say of the forest, of uh of certain, even rocks, certain mountains, that there's an elemental spirit that is belongs to it. Now, in some cases, uh, not all of it, I'm just giving a broad example, you can get um, an attachment from an elemental spirit. Uh, I would think in some cases would have to be maybe something that you invited in. Now, the worst is what we call discarnate dark being of a demonic nature. Uh, in some cases, and, and I'm sure you've seen this, where you will have, this happens also not only with human spirits, where you'll get a stronger um, dark one that holds the minor ones captive. All right? And... Uh, they're really intelligent. The major dark ones are malicious. They're highly intelligent. And uh, it, it, it's a special, it's a different approach that you would need to handle those. And um, a lot of people also wanted me to go over again what it about the theory of nesting or piggyback. And I'm going to go as far as attachments of how that happens. Let's say, for example, here we're talking regular old human spirits. Okay, now just imagine you've got an old alcoholic who dies and his soul, his spirit, his ghost, whatever you want to call it, continues to haunt the bars. Uh, now, he in his life had already been obsessed by the soul of another drinker who had died before. Uh, which, that's why this guy that just died had such a hard time uh, to stop drinking. You know, in other words, it increases addiction and hastens his death. Now, suppose these two souls, one and the other one on top of it, remember, 
one just died and the other was which was already obsessed they managed to invade another customer at that bar a living person and obsess him now this this guy might just be a drinker maybe not truly a hard drinker but all of a sudden he starts leaving the house and he gets this irresistible urge to stop as soon as possible at a liquor store and uh even to their own astonishment in other words this person may be drank occasionally or maybe on the weekends or maybe sometimes it went to happy hour and all of a sudden they're, they're they're stopping in other words they start drinking in the middle of the day in the morning or like i explained all of a sudden they they need they need to make a pit stop at the liquor store and have liquor alcohol close to them at all times really who's driving that are the two alcoholics that are on on them because what happens is once they're in your aura they have no human body to experience taking a drink but once they go into the aura or the body then they especially if they if that person experiences any type of blackouts yes they do and i myself i've come across this in some of my clients where they would black out and they wouldn't remember anything and some of the things they would do and i did a releasement on them and it was and it was demonic what that what uh what that person had in them was demonic uh, and it was yep talk about i've <laughs> and uh what's really unusual is this client had first come to me to stop smoking this was a young man who was super intelligent well educated had a great job had plans to and especially the work he was going to do was really altruistic and he came to see me because he wanted to stop smoking we got through that got him to get off the smoking and he loved it and uh at some point he finally i guess he i earned his trust sufficiently that he told me you know what I've had these times where I go out and with my friends and I can't stop drinking, but at some point, and I'm not sure when, in other words, it really didn't take that much. I black out. In other words, when he, when he means blackout, he didn't mean blackout like as I'm falling on the floor as in he could not remember anymore what he would do. He would, he would find out about it because his friends would tell him what he was doing. He would tear up things. He ran across highway. He was doing stuff. It wasn't like he was in the corner mumbling to himself. It was, so he says, I, I, I don't know what this is. And when I did a regression, among other things, I found that he had uh, a demonic attachment. It was pretty severe. I mean, in other words, I've, I've had things uh, talk about a person contort. Yes, I've had that happen in my office. I can ex I can talk I can speak of that firsthand experience and something um, uh, hiss at you and 
like I said, since I already had enough experience with him because of the smoking, I kind of was kind of knew him pretty well as to his regular and something also you develop after a while with um with clients. The only good thing about this is that this attachment was what I would call low level. It was low level. Okay. Um and the ultimate aim of it was they wanted to disrupt him, his, where he was going because without, well, there's no way part of his work that he was getting into that he was already working in was ha having to do with human trafficking. So basically the attempts of this thing were to derail his life and the direction of where he was going in. He was already working in that field and he was going to, in other words, get more intense, intensely into that. And that was part of, for lack of a better word, the sabotage plans of it. And yeah, that was a very unusual experience. So uh, uh, I, yeah, I've seen this firsthand. So I can attest to just how authentic that is. Anyway, um, and just so you understand, this was this was working through him. I mean, with the addiction, like I said, he he really wasn't having that much of a problem with the addiction as in stopping to get alcohol. He was talking about like on the weekends when he was getting together with his friends and he was going out that this was happening. And in this case, though, sometimes with the addiction, this is why some addicts have sometimes a really hard time with uh, staying sober. Or they go through rehab and they just, they're like on a revolving door of going in and out of rehab, whether it's inpatient or outpatient. And uh, their logical mind, I mean, I understand the addiction part of it as far as physically that, you know, especially if it's alcohol, which you can't detoxify. You need medical supervision to detoxify from alcohol. That's that dangerous. You can't cold, cold turkey. You would never do that. Believe it or not, that's worse than all the other drugs, alcohol. Um, where they, 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 at some point they've hit rock bottom. You know how they say, well, when you hit rock bottom, there's people that hit rock bottom and it's not even the logical that they, they made the decisions. I, I want to stop. I don't want to drink. And, and, and I'm talking here about abstinence. We're not talking what they call, uh, you know, drink a little bit less. No, no, no. We're talking here abstinence because in reality, that's really what works if you have that type of addiction. Uh, and they can't, they can't seem to, they fall back to the, and not all the time, but some of the times it's this type of from because that type of um, abstinence is a day-to-day -day thing. You know, you got to take it day-to-day to day-to-day. And um, that's why some of them just, this, despite their best intentions, despite what their logic tells them, despite having suffered enormous losses personally, monetarily, you name it, because of their addiction, they just can't. And uh, sometimes there's a component of this that's making it, that that's making the impossible, making it impossible. All right. Now, just so you understand, there's, when I say there's, uh, as far as the possessions, different, different degrees of closeness. And, you know, when we were talking about if you've get uh, a spirit of discarnate that's close to you, whether love, friendship, revenge, hatred, you're a nice person. You remind them of somebody they know. Uh, whatever. You might be a little bit psychic sensitive. Usually people that are developed psychics or mediums know how to deal with this. But 
just so you'll understand. These are the different layers that you go through. The first one is temptation. This is when you have a discarnate around you, but it's almost like you get a temptation. It's not really a compulsion, but you think of doing or saying something that is basically against your, your personality. At some point you even think, why am I thinking that? Okay, the next layer is called influence or shadowing, influencing or shadowing. Uh, and there's a little bit more effect there. And sometimes a person might have a mood swing or an irrational moment. Sometimes even fear depression, but momentarily, especially when this is not like them. Again, this is not like them. Next layer is what we call oppression. All right. Now, this is where this entity is affecting that person's feelings and their habits. This is the point where some if, if some clairvoyance can actually see the entity that's attached to the or, to the host aura. Okay. In other words, the two first ones, if your aura is in good shape and you don't give into it, they just kind of go away. They kind of, they can't get in. And that's, you know, like I said, you might have a little bit of compulsive or you might feel a little bit down or... You're thinking, where is that? Or you might have said something like, why did I say that? But that's as far as it goes, especially if your aura is intact. All right. Now, once you start going into the third thing, now you're running into a problem. That means your aura is weak or somebody's taking you up on an invite. Uh, because at this point, it's actually affecting your feelings and your habits. This is when you start seeing people acting and doing things that normally Sometimes they start hating foods they used to like or start liking foods they used to hate. They start doing stuff that whoever's around them goes, what is up with this? All right. Um, next one obviously is worse. It's called obsession. Okay. This is when the entity invades not only your psyche, but your physical body. And basically there's like a, you know, like with Mr. Spock, the mind melt, it melts your personality traits and how your body feels with those of the hosts. Again, this is where you absolutely see new personality traits, attitudes, and also when some people start seeing physical symptoms that they can't account for. An example, this person starts limping, starts complaining of a bad hip. They don't have an injury. There's nothing to explain why this person would feel this or but they can't, and it starts happening. Sometimes this is the origin of it, all right? Now, the next one is rare, despite what Hollywood says. It's called possession. This is the complete takeover of the host, all right? And, of course, that's when you have the berserk behavior. Uh, and this is the interesting thing. You can have somebody that alternates between out and out possession to obsession. In other words, you can have somebody go to total possession, totally berserk. In other words, this entity has got full control of everything. And then it'll flip and it'll go to obsession, which means, yeah, the original human's still there, but this entity's kind of gone into the background. And then, they, then you 
then you see, like I said, some of the body, sometimes the, even the way the per person walks. Um, and then they can flip-flop. If possession, out and out possession doesn't have to be a 24-7 thing. All right. Uh, now, and I explained as far as the negative en uh, en entities and energies and where do they come from. Like I said, earthbound spirits and what they call dark energy forces are the two most common types of entities. Uh, and like I said, one in one case, one is the human spirit. The other one has never been human. And then we also have what we spoke about originally, which is the extraterrestrial, which basically we're going off planet on this one. And I know some people are going, what? But yeah, there is such a thing as, I mean, if you expand your, especially if you, if you start looking at things as um, not even outer space, we might be talking something that's intradimensional. All right. Whether that's where they always came from, another dimension or parallel universe in some cases, or maybe this is the way their technology has allows them to travel from point A to point B in the universe. Uh, Sometimes dimensionally, they can bend and fold space somehow. I don't know. But sometimes we have to start, you know, not everything is linear, in other words, as far as what we see. And I guess as humans, that's what kind of, unless you're a physicist, you, we kind of like base all of our beliefs on is the linear thinking, time, etc. And there's a lot of possibilities that exist outside of that. In other words, we might be talking beings that basically have access to us through another dimension. So let's get back to the. <laughs> now, again, um, how do they get in? Vulnerability. Um, and, and that's really important as far as uh, that thing where, you know, if you're unconscious, uh, invite, trauma, physical or emotional, anesthesia and surgery, blow to the head, drunkenness, even severe stress. Severe stress, folks. This is severe. Extreme grief, extreme anger, extreme fear. This also, when I mean the invite, this is what can open you up for an attachment. Um, now, another people that sometimes run the risk without proper protection is people that channel mediumship that try to do automatic writing. Um, they're basically, they're putting out an invitation for possession. Or if they're like, even if they're present at a seance or Ouija board. Okay. And again, I want to underline this. Some people out there know exactly what they're doing. They know how to protect themselves and they're going to be okay. I said this in my original show and I'm going to say it again. If you've got some type of addiction problem, if you've got some type of untreated mental illness, to be honest with you, any type of mental illness, if you've got some type of trauma, something going on with you at that time, at that time, don't mess with any of those things. I'm telling you, don't mess with any of those things because you are asking, you're inviting it. Besides the, the obvious of you're inviting possible possession from a discarnate, it's it'll 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 make your life ten times worse. Don't do it.
I know that a lot of the shows make it look like it's the next, next best thing. Don't do it. Okay, if you've got this, sometimes people, and sometimes it doesn't have to be, sometimes people are at a spot or moment in their lives where they've got things going on, emotional trauma, things going on, just things are upside down. It happens to everybody at some point in their life more than once. If this is going on with you, man, do yourself a favor and back out. Seances, thanks, I'll pass on that. Ouija boards, thanks, I'll pass on that. Automatically, forget it. Okay, as a matter of fact, I would even stay away from, you know, no cemetery visits. Be careful when you go to hospitals, funeral homes. Absolutely. Prayers of protection and all that. That's great. But you also have to do your part in recognizing your vulnerabilities. When that time comes and goes in your in your life and you kind of like back on balance and things are chugging away and you're okay. And you know that. No, but you know that about yourself or about what's going on in your life. Okay. Then you can say, okay, I can do this again. But don't. I'm telling you, because talk about looking for an, an extra thing to, uh, in other words, the effect can be 10 times worse than what's going on with you originally to begin with. Another thing that's really, that can open you up to obsession, possession, childhood abuse, rape, incest, all these things allow an entity to attach, Okay. And like I said before, when this happens, the younger you are, the more difficult it is later on to recognize that you have an attachment because you've had it for so long. You kind of feel it's part of you, part of your identity. Okay. And, um, but yeah, all those things can. And uh, also, and I said it, you know, uh, you invite when, uh, like when somebody dies, they say, don't leave me. I don't want to let you go. And uh, yeah. And by this, I understand what grief is and when people grieve. But if you really love that person, you wouldn't want them to either be stay behind because they want to console you and much less do you want them to attach to you because that's going to... Because let me explain something. Once this entity okay, becomes attached or enmeshed in your aura, depends at the level that they're in, they can't get out. For instance, same thing, Let, let's use that, I'm grieving for you, stay, don't leave me. This spirit wants to go into the light, but they see their loved one grieving really bad. And this person saying, don't leave, stay with me. I want you to stay with me. Guess what? They do. They hang around. They just, they, and at some point they become enmeshed in the aura. Months start going by. This person starts going through their grief, you know, those stages of grief. And what was fresh pain at the beginning begins to get better. Well, what happens is that sometimes that spirit, it's enmeshed in your aura and they can't get out. They can't get out. And then this other person, all of a sudden, will feel, oh, my God, I, you know, I want to move on with my life. I still remember this person, but I, I feel trapped. I, I feel like I can't get beyond this. And sometimes this is what happens. And this, that's, that's describing it very lightly. But that's why you have to be a little bit careful with that. This is really important. And I said it before. Uh, 
the theory of track of like attracts like. Okay, this applies negative energy such as psychic attacks and curses are generated sometimes by living people and negative thought forms. You can also generate them yourself. And the reasons like when you feel fear, anger, jealousy, anxiety. And the reason why I'm saying this is you don't have to be at the receiving end. You can produce this, especially if you're super focused and you're super obsessive and you're thinking about this person of hating them fear. In other words, it does nobody any good. Neither you to generate it or whoever it is that you're directing it at. And believe me, I know there's a lot of people that think, boy, they deserve it. In the end, it, it, you're going to end up losing. You are. Now, uh, again, one of the signs, the doctor says, all oh, tests came back negative, but she still thinks something's going on. By this, again, I want to point out, you know, you have any symptoms, you should always go to your doctor and check it out, you know. Um, and again, sometimes the influence, it could start with just uh, a range from a mild energy drain. And then we could go to the other end of it, which is almost total possession. Uh, now, some telltale signs, and this I, we have to be really careful, is hearing voices. Okay. Again, if you're having symptoms like this, you need to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or your doctor. Start somewhere to clear yourself that maybe you just need meds. Okay. Maybe it is mental illness. Don't go up thinking that it's an attachment or anything of this nature. All right. Um, so hearing voices, you get sudden cravings for alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, whatever. Uh, something that's not like you. Uh, sometimes what you need to keep it is if you start having this like after a surgery or traumatic event, sudden weight gain, again, I'm going to specify this. Sudden weight gain means you know yourself. If you've been hanging out, if you've been eating more than usual, sometimes that's what it is, but you have to be also be truthful as in, am I anxious and I'm overeating and that's why I gained weight? So that's that. you have to be a little bit discerning about that. Uh, if you get, all of a sudden you start developing certain fears and phobias, you didn't have them before, it's changes in your behavior, such as increased anger, depression, thoughts of suicide, um, loss of memory, like, yeah, problems, you know, uh, unexplained physical problems like a pain from an undetermined cause, migraine headaches, night terrors, nightmares, uh, panic or anxiety attacks. All right. Now, and let me explain. This usually, the determining factor in this is this is not the norm for you. Okay. This is something that said that came on suddenly or like they said after a traumatic event or surgery, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Sometimes all these problems are strictly only have an organic source. In other words, there's nothing spiritual going on, folks. You go to the doctor and it's going to get resolved or treated or diagnosed, whatever. We're talking here, unusual, sudden, and unlike you. Now, how does this compare with an exorcism? Obviously, this is not comes from a, a religious approach, even though you do invoke, depending on the hypnotherapist, the help and the protection of light beings, of angels, of, of, of 
the divine, of everything, okay? Uh, mm, like I said, usually the exorcism, you know, usually the one that performs it is a priest, a member of the clergy, uh, and the procedure is basically done to cast out demons. Uh, when you do a releasement, it's what you're trying to do is to release them. In other words, tell them to go on their way. Uh, and I mean, it's more convoluted than that. I'm, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm giving you the, the condensed version. Now, does this really help people? To some people, it has been, but it's not a cure-all. Um, and once they have the releasement, some people will feel things right away, and but some people, it takes days and then weeks. And then as months go by, they realize, wow, man, that food I used to hate or that I used to like, now I like it again. Or all these things, like things start to change. You know, the, the or that fear I had or that phobia, I don't have it. Uh, that food that I used to, you know, the, 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 the cravings, that's another, another word, they've stopped. Or I can control it. Or I can walk away from it. A lot of different things that slowly evolve where there's like a shift in the personality, in the behavior. Uh, you know, sometimes people have a hard time sleeping. They have obsessive thoughts. Kind of like things start to like... And then all of a sudden, they realize a couple of weeks, three weeks, that change. And then as time goes by, more changes come about. Uh, I mean, what, what I'm saying is it's not like you're going to undergo this and then, poof, man, you walk. No, it doesn't work quite that quickly because um, the idea here is not to damage the human psyche. All right. Uh, and even if this is something that you want or that's been hurting you, if you had something that was very drastic it could actually hurt you mentally, especially if it's something that's been attached to you for a while. Yeah, it could. Um, now, um, okay, guys, I think I've talked enough about this. Uh, as a matter of fact, you're going to see, uh, eventually I had an interview with Paul Eno from Behind the Paranormal. And we talked, one of the discussions we had was about uh interdimensional parasitic ETs. All right. Very unusual. But anyway, guys, um, I hope you like it. Uh, please subscribe to the channel so you can make sure to get notifications of when I release a new show. If you want to email me any questions or any suggestions for shows, I'll be happy to do that. Um, true believers don't forget to submit your true stories go to miamighostchronicles.com go to the submit your story tab you can ca uh, catch a podcast version of the show i release it on itunes speaker iHeartRadio, all over the place and i usually have a version here on youtube as well again if you go to miamighostchronicles.com you can get a link to see the actual youtube show or the podcast either listen to it or you can download the mp3 file so guys, thank you so very much. You're wonderful and I hope you enjoyed it. It's been great to see you guys. Take care.